Uh, yes, friends, on a Wednesday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where I am your solo host, Adam Armbrecht, also covering the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast with my guy, Doug Norrie, preparing for the Thursday night absolutely epic tilt against those Philadelphia 76ers and one James Harden, Patui, we say. When we speak his name, we no longer regard it highly. But over here on OGP, we're going to be talking about the offseason. Obviously, big QB news on the trade market, how it impacts the New York football giants, what some more of the speculation around Mitchell Trubisky could mean for the Giants, looking at the draft and adjusting these expectations as Andy and I have knocked around a lot of different ideas and scenarios at the top there. But as some of these dominoes have fallen, Russell Wilson being chief among them, you do start to look at why pigeonholing yourself into or saying that there's either one clear path at five and seven or there's certain players or positions you absolutely would not touch is a dangerous game if you're Joe Shane and the New York football Giants. We start with a footnote around the Giants roster, and that's the signing of Matt Gano, a 2018 draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons. This is still a relatively young offensive lineman. He's also a backup offensive lineman, but what it should indicate, too, is as we saw in some of the comments over the last week or so when we've talked about the offensive line and players that we're optimistic about, like uh, seeing what Matt Pert can be in a new system. Can he be a backup swing tackle? Will they kick him inside and just give him some run there? Still a young player, right? We know that we're waiting to see if a guy like Bredesen would be bought back. What's going to happen with Billy Price? Skura, you don't anticipate being here, even though he was a one-time Baltimore Raven and at least has some ties to Wink Martindale on the defensive side. But all of these players, it's all relative to Joe Shane and to Brian Dable. We're also waiting to see if Shane Lemieux can come back and be healthy. He's a fifth-round pick. We liked what he showed in his rookie season. He got hurt in year number two. Now he's in year number three under a new regime. So signing a guy like Gano is just bringing in competition. It's bringing in backup potential. And it's just it's just letting everybody know, hey, we're going to roll this thing over because a couple of names that we mentioned there, they are cap casualty cut candidates here to free up one and a half to two and a half million dollars potentially. And every little dollar counts here as we work our way through the offseason. So that's the quick, that's the quick and easy mentioning of what some of the moves are the Giants and Joe Shane are making ahead of free agency period here. We'll see what that looks like. He was released, by the way, going back to last season uh, by the Atlanta Falcons. Then the other biggest news around the NFL landscape was, of course, Russell Wilson being traded to the Denver Broncos from the Seattle Seahawks. There was all the speculation waiting for the dominoes to fall. I think I had it right when we talked about it previously around where what would Denver do on a pivot? I don't know if we covered it on the podcast of if not Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay, what would Denver do? Look into the draft class and say, let's go get a young quarterback because we do have a lot of pieces around this defense or who's the next best veteran quarterback on the landscape here that we can go and get and do what we did at the end of John Elway's career, what we did when we brought in Peyton Manning, a veteran quarterback that we think we can go win now with. It makes obviously the AFC West an absolute juggernaut at the QB position. But let's talk about it from a Giants perspective quickly here. We had said, going back to the start of the offseason, should the Giants be in the market for Russell Wilson services? At the time, we said no, because you're too far away. And you don't have the cap room. And what? imagine what would it possibly cost to bring in a player like that? Well, guess what? It costs a whole heck of a lot, as Russell Wilson will go to the Denver Broncos in exchange for. It will be Drew Locke, 
Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, a 2022 first rounder, a 2023 first rounder, a 2022 second rounder, a 2022 fifth rounder, and a 2023 second round pick as well. Uh, Seattle will send a fourth rounder in this year's draft to the Broncos as well. It's an insane amount of draft capital, and I'm not saying that it's not worth every single penny to do so, but there was just no world where it would have made sense. Take the money off the table. The Giants have so many holes to fill, giving up all the draft capital to bring in Russell Wilson, only to find yourself into what everyone regarded in Seattle as being a place where Russell Wilson's prime years were starting to get wasted because the offensive line was in shambles. You don't necessarily have your, you know, the same legion of boom that you once did on the defensive side of the ball. You don't have clear cut number one elite running back talent, even at a low cost draft pick. You do have a couple of great receivers in Lockett and in Metcalf, but it's just not enough. You put Russell Wilson into the New York football giants, sans all of that draft capital. Where are you? I mean, you can talk about next year and for the free agency market and how they could build things up, but you're going to have a very big cap number there. We know that Denver is going to look to extend him in the next two seasons to keep him in, De in Denver for more than just two years. It just would have, it would have been, it would have been a classic Dave Gelman kind of move, right? Swing for the fences. We're going to go do it. And then when you looked back a year or two later, you'd be saying, remember when we had Russell Wilson and it just didn't really amount to much. So that's just the obvious indication here around why the New York football giants were not going to be playing in those waters. However, we now take a look at what it means that Russell Wilson does get traded. First thing a lot of people were saying is, well, now you can look at the Seattle Seahawks as a potential candidate that would want to move up in the draft and maybe go get their next quarterback. I don't know if that's 100% the automatic scenario you see playing out for them because, as we say, they do have a lot of needs, a lot of holes to fill, and we know this is one of the weaker draft classes. More than likely, as they have Geno Smith, I think, currently uh, on their on their roster as there will be penned in or penciled in as the starting QB potentially. I think it'd be more likely that they may look at the veteran QB market and say, who's a guy that we can bring in here to be competitive in the short term as we rebuild of, you know, the, the dangerous R word, no franchise fan base wants to hear, but as we rebuild some things and retool a little bit, keeping Pete Carroll at the helm. However, they're not going to be in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweet stakes. And that's one of the impact points here. If you're a team like Washington who missed out on Russell Wilson, made the offer Wilson with a no trade clause refused to go there. Any of these teams that were in those waters for Wilson, or at least asking the question, they're now going to look at a Jimmy Garoppolo, someone who for whatever he is or is not, he's coming off of just getting his shoulder taken care of here in the off season. He's going to be one of the next big names out there and he's going to get a lot of money because it's just the going rate and it's supply and demand here. So now you're talking about him getting elevated and receiving a substantial contract. The Seattle Seahawks are not looking to lock themselves into a big money, a big money number right now at that position. But then other lower level guys, the Jameis Winston's of the world certainly could be someone they'd be interested in a guy that we've talked about. And we'll touch on here for the giants. Mitch Trubisky could be another name that gets thrown out there because the difference between paying someone 35 million a year at the QB position, when you're not sure to what level you're going to compete versus 15 that affords you to go into free agency, free agency, excuse me, and still make moves. It affords you to earmark money for draft picks that you're going to have, which Seattle is going to have a ton of now over the next two seasons. So as we always say, taking a look at moves like this and understanding that if you're a GM, you're taking the short and long-term view here. 
you you got a ton of assets, you freed up a ton of capital. What does it mean right now for us? And what will it mean in two years, three years, and four years down the line with how good the potential draft class could be coming out next year at the QB spot? I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle looks to find a bridge quarterback. Maybe it'll just be Geno Smith who's on their roster and then start to put in these pieces around them, rebuild up what was their calling card, the defensive side of the football, and then drop in a young quarterback over the next couple of seasons. Interesting to see how that plays out. The other thing, though, when we talk about the impact of a Russell Wilson is that now he didn't, it wasn't the chicken or the egg here. First, Aaron Rodgers decided to stay in Green Bay. Then Denver traded for Russell Wilson. But in Green Bay, you have a player like Jordan Love, who, again, because of the scarcity on the market, there could be a lot of teams that may be interested in getting a player who, by the way, is younger than Kenny Pickett right now, still just 23 years old, is Jordan Love. So the value of him being young while also already having a couple years of NFL experience, that could be a potential upside for teams that would be looking to make a trade, a relatively low-cost trade at that. Also understand that you are a couple of years into entering year three now of his rookie deal. So you'll get years three, you'll get year four, you can pick up the fifth-year option. You still have reasonable control on him a year better uh, than Daniel Jones' current situation. All of that to say, There's going to be some low-level moving parts here because now you're comparing quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, quarterbacks that haven't seen playing time, like a Jordan Love, to the draft class that's coming out. And you're trying to, if you're one of these franchises who needs, the New Orleans Saints come to mind, who need a quarterback potentially. Will you look at a Malik Willis? Will you look at a Kenny Pickett? Will you look at a Ritter? Will you look at a, a Strong coming out of the draft? Or... Inside of that group, will you throw in other young players like Jordan Love and say, well, what would it cost us? A mid-first round pick or a mid-second round pick? If we can spend less and still bring in talent, that can be worth it for us in the short term. The other fallout here is, of course, Mitchell Trubisky. And what is going to happen with his market value right now? We know that there's been interest, obviously, from the New York football giants as this offseason got underway. But now the the weird situation that occurred here was first it was, yeah, you bring him in. What a great backup has familiarity in the system. Good uh, person to have in the QB room for Daniel Jones to lean on. Then you start to hear that because of the market and the draft class coming out, Mitchell Trubisky is being talked about as being brought in by teams potentially as the starter. Pittsburgh has been mentioned. I don't think this, I don't know if the Saints have been mentioned with Trubisky, but certainly they're a team in need of a quarterback. The Giants are in there as well. And it's hard to, when we talked about, we touched on our, on our, I think two episodes ago, what does it look like for the Giants? First, the quote, of course, from Mitch Trubisky on the possibility of not only the New York football Giants, but also the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Coach Dable right away, just because of my connection with him right away in Buffalo. I'm excited to see what he does in New York. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I know whatever he does there, he's going to do a great job with that offense. He's a great leader of men. He's real and authentic with all the guys, and I think that's why so many people respected him in our building. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Speaks glowingly of him. Obviously had a good relationship, a great relationship in Buffalo with him and would love potentially to be a part of it. However, just in mentioning other teams, you think of the black and gold speaking on the Steelers. You think of coach Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger slinging it around, Trubisky said. But the black and gold, just legendary colors, a great historic franchise in the NFL. The difference here, I think, 
when you talk about Trubisky is how much does this market expand? And when you talk about potential landing spots, what the Giants have to make a decision around, and this is the conversation we started to have is, if we're we were talking about initially in the offseason, three to seven million was going to be the, the market price for Mitch Trubisky. Now it's starting to heat up a little bit. And by all accounts, people look at his time in Chicago and say he didn't necessarily get a fair shake there. Now, I think there's different levels to how teams would look at Mitch Trubisky and bring him in as the starting quarterback. It's are we looking to compete right now in this moment? Are we looking to win some games and potentially surround our quarterback position with extra talent because it won't be as expensive? Um, or do we want to be in a deep playoff run vying for championships? I don't think that Pittsburgh right now is in that mode. Therein, we can still be competitive, but they have issues that they need to sort out and pieces that they're going to want to add in. But if you're thinking about drafting a quarterback potentially in the first round, as we've heard Malik Willis get thrown around with the Steelers at 20, whether or not he'll still be there at that point, have a bridge quarterback in place and have an understanding of what he's going to be expected to do going forward. The, the teams that can offer Trubisky the starting job walking in the door are going to skyrocket to the top of the list, and they're also going to be the ones that put offers out to Trubisky that represent starting QB money. Even if it's clearly understood, you are not the Josh Allens, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilsons of the world, but you're still going to get paid starting QB money, even if it's bridge starting QB money. The Giants, to me, and there still seems to be this debate around it, if, if you brought in Trubisky, and someone even mentioned it, it'd be like when they didn't pick up Trubisky's fifth-year option in Chicago, brought in competition, and he ultimately lost that job out. Ooh, was that Foles at the time? I had to go back and check. Lost his starting job in Chicago, and it was the writing on the wall. That's what he could be putting Daniel Jones in a position right now. We're not picking up your fifth-year option. We're bringing someone to compete with you, and it's kind of the writing on the wall. To me, I think if you're the New York football Giants, if you're making the offer to Trubisky and you're getting north of $10 million to bring him in, and then you're talking about competing with other teams that are looking for his services, you can lean on the Brian Dable connection with him, the Joe Shane connection with him, and you can say, we're going to offer X. It may not be the peak of the market, but you are walking in as the day one starter for this franchise. And I'm 100% fine with that because everyone who says, you know, this idea of it's a couple of things. The idea that Daniel Jones, you know, hasn't had a fair shake, that can be both true and also there's still a sample size within that and you can learn what you want from that. We also know the circumstance around, are you picking up his fifth year option or not? If he has a big game, big season, excuse me, are you ready to pay him next year? Substantial uh, starting NFL QB money and franchise QB money because that's what would be asked of the Giants given where he was drafted six overall. Or are you ready to acknowledge, and some of the moves the Giants have made this offseason are, are indicative of that, that we're ready to move into the bridge quarterback, reset the franchise QB timeline with a young QB era of the Giants. Because if you are, step one is signing Mitchell Trubisky, and step two very well could be talking to these other teams who are interested in Jordan Love, who could be interested in a young QB option at a reasonable price in the short term, and seeing if you can move Daniel Jones. Do I think that Daniel Jones has value? That's speculative at best. But whether or not anyone was going to draft Daniel Jones at sixth overall in the NFL draft, I think certainly he would have been in a somewhat similar circumstance around teams that could have been interested in him in the second round and moving in like Green Bay did for Jordan Love, getting ahead of a couple of QB needy teams and making sure you secured the fifth-year option. 
Do I think the lack of playing time for Jordan Love makes him maybe a little bit more intriguing than Daniel Jones? Sure. But if it was me, if you're going to sign Mitchell Trubisky, it's not about saying that we think that he's going to lead us to great playoff victories. It's just about saying we're ready to move on from Daniel Jones. So I think sometimes making these comparisons of, well, is, is Daniel Jones any worse than Mitchell Trubisky or is Trubisky any better than Daniel Jones? That's not what you're asking here. What you're asking here is, do you still think that Daniel Jones can be a franchise quarterback? And do you think this team can be competitive in the next one or two years? And at that point, who's the best quarterback to move forward with? If the Giants make that move, is to be seen. It seems like they are still entrenched in the conversations about pursuing him. So that tells you that the New York football giants are not, are, are one, not backing off of a higher price tag for Trubisky and that Brian Dable and Joe Shane believe that he could be the starting quarterback for the giants. Interesting to see how that plays out. The last piece of this then is the impact on the draft and what the giants will do at the top. Andy and I were talking on the last episode and we were discussing Five and seven. Is there a make or break, you know, decision that you would make a player you'd automatically choose or not choose a little bit of information that came in around the Jacksonville Jaguars. They once again applied the franchise tag to Cam Robinson, something that he is undoubtedly not thrilled around. He could choose not to sign it and also not play, or he could play underneath the tag and they could try to work out a longer term contract and see what that means from a Vegas number standpoint, as Andy sent along. The number, the odds on Hutchinson going number one absolutely plummeted into the negatives once that tag was applied. I don't know if it's necessarily a one-to-one now, though. Like You could be saying this is a stopgap to trying to trade, sign and trade Robinson, knowing that you're going to sign a young offensive lineman at the top of the draft. But if this has the impact that Vegas suggests where it's going to be Hutchinson for the Jaguars at the top of the draft. All of a sudden, the trickle-down effect of keeping another offensive tackle on the board moving towards five becomes more viable. And a couple of the more recent updated mock drafts, uh, Iquanu ends up being there for the Giants at five. But, and I forgive me, I'll put it in the show notes, shout out over on YouTube, a uh, great kid who had comment in there. I'm going to say D-N-Y-G because I can't remember the full first name. But, Ask the question of why, basically saying, like, why would you lock into? We're sitting here talking about the Giants being in a rebuild, trying to compete now and, and balancing the books. You need offensive line help. You need defensive line help. Andy had suggested that hard pressed if you move off of James Bradbury to not lock into Sauce Gardner at seven. I like Sauce Gardner and I'd be happy if they drafted him. But I do think, again, Cornerback is, is a deep position in this draft class. So just because you don't get one high doesn't mean you're not going to get a quality player. And just because you move off of James Bradbury does not mean, while it will be a need, does not mean that it's the most pressing short-term need for the New York football giants and for Joe Shane. So offensive lineman comes up there at five, you want him. I would take Neil. I would take a Quonu. I would not take Cross. I'll wait to see what happens between now and the draft and talking about a Trevor Penning. I don't think he necessarily rises that high. One of the other footnotes from a great, lengthy, but really strong comment over on YouTube was about moving Linderbaum immediately out of this conversation. Again, I keep him in that trade down scenario for the New York football giants. I just think that while I wouldn't take him off the list at seven, let's just put it that way. I get it. He's a quality player. They're talking about being a 10-year starter, an instant plug-and-play, one of the best centers in a generation, and that's amazing. But again, in the hierarchy of needs, you have to think about what 
do the Giants want to address first and foremost? And then how do you off of that continue to look to fill in the needs? There have been some great prospects coming out of the combine at the center position. Some guards that are being suggested could kick inside and play at center as well. Something that I'm going to try to get some bonus content out here. But with the free agency period looming, this is what we're going to dive into a bit more. The impact that that some of these things, the trade markets are going to have on the Giants. So I just, I just think that you cannot be locked into any one scenario. I said it. I, I said, I mentioned about, would you take a safety at the top of the draft? And Andy had a hard time getting there. Now, I'm not saying it's my number one choice, but it has to be on the list of viable options that the Giants would be willing to do because it's a quality player. Offensive line is my first and foremost, but there is a threshold about when I, I do not want to take an offensive lineman at five or at seven, and I'll wait maybe move back into the first round, look at the top of the second round there at 36, where there's been guys like Zion Johnson, who could be really pushing himself well into the first round. Mentioned Trevor Penning, a guy like Kenyon Green, who didn't have the greatest combine run, but we could still be a viable option there. There's going to be other ways that you can get to that. I, I do not know firmly what I think the Giants should do in the draft until I see what happens in free agency, right? And this is more to the point. The Giants could move off of James Bradbury and go sign, not a lockdown number one next five years with the fifth-year option, first-round draft pick status cornerback, but they could go find a player, and there's a couple that I want to get to specifically with ties coming out of Kansas City that could be a possibility for the New York football Giants on the open market. So if they sign a cornerback of free agency, yeah, of course it takes it off the top of the draft board there, right? If they go and sign a veteran center in free agency or a guard in free agency, it changes how you approach the top of the draft. Is there a world where the Giants double down at five and seven with no tradeback opportunities on the defensive side of the ball and take the kid Walker out of Georgia while also grabbing Sauce Garter because they didn't sign a cornerback in free agency? Yes, and that would be that would be viable. The bottom line is, and to the point of the discussion on YouTube, when you look at the Giants and the idea of the rate on the cusp of this, are we fully rebuilding? Do we think we can be competitive? Is going and doing X in free agency or in the draft indicative of we want to be competitive and win games versus we're going to rebuild? You can take a player at any position of need and apply it in the short and long-term scenarios. That's the bottom line. You can take Sauce Gardner and say, He's going to be our cornerback going forward beyond a Dory Jackson's contract that he's on right now that he will not potentially get a second deal with the New York football giants. Guess what? Then you're going to have your number one in sauce Gardner and be looking to fill that need across from him. If you go with the offensive line, you know that it's a need in the short and long term. If you go with an edge rusher, it impacts what you do now in this season. It also impacts how you approach a player like Dexter Lawrence, who we talked about in the last episode. Andy and I disagree, I think, around this idea of is picking up the fifth-year option an automatic green light. I don't think it is. Because if you pick up a 10-plus million dollars, while it's not a hard price tag for Dexter Lawrence, do you know that you need him? What happens in the draft this year and tells you whether or not you're going to want to keep him around long-term? Or is he simply a player that is going to run out his time with the franchise because he's a carryover from the previous regime? We talked about how the Giants were able to get multiple first-round picks there with Daniel Jones and with Dexter Lawrence, and then they traded back the following year and how they were able to get Kadarius Toney, 
and then also moved back in the second round and still got Aziz Ojolari. Some of these things will go down as being smart moves that we happen to steal away from the Dave Gettleman era, and other ones will fall underneath the cloud of, yes, you got multiple picks, but did you fully address one key area of need? And while Daniel Jones seems to be trending in the swing and a miss at six, even Dexter Lawrence at 17 in the short term was productive, but if he doesn't make it to a second contract, then that was a miss as well. First round picks need to earn second contracts with their team. And whether it's scheme fit or production or price point, all of these decisions, just like I said, when we talk about what is Seattle going to look to do after trading Russell Wilson, it's the same thing for the Giants. Joe Shane is thinking about this year, years two, three, four, and five down the road as well, because everything is going to impact one another. And in that vein, you cannot lock yourself into anything at the top of the draft. That's the bottom line. A lot is going to change between now and next month when the draft goes down. The first thing that's going to happen is free agency. We're going to come back in. We're going to highlight all of those options. We'll continue to talk about what it could look like price-wise to get Mitch Trubisky and who could be viable trade options for Daniel Jones. And by the way, while I know everyone, I'll give this little one as we get out the door here, I know everyone has been talking about how if the market is X for Saquon Barkley, Giants said they put a first-round tag on him in terms of trade value. I, that feels like posturing at best to me because you can't think about a guy being this far into his career at the running back position and still earning a first round uh, trade value. But saying that the market is now at a fourth round, there are after free agency when teams miss on the, on the running back market, there's on draft day when teams miss out in the earlier rounds or in the second and third round and saying, well, now we're available for you. And ultimately, while the Giants may be saying that they're willing to stick with Saquon Barkley going into the season, those things are going to change as the market shifts and changes here over the course of the offseason and in the draft and in the offseason. And the commentary around the Giants being in on Mitchell Trubisky as his price tag rises above what you're currently playing Daniel Jones also has to be an indication that the Giants will be willing to move on from Saquon Barkley if the right reasonable deal comes across their desk. You can check out the Substack article where I listed the uh, viable trade candidates for Saquon Barkley. Maybe some of the packages look a little bit high in terms of the value. Most of them were talking about compensatory threes, back-end threes, or four and a player potentially with a six-rounder going back with them. Go check that out, adamarnbeck.substack.com. And you can see whether or not you would still be in those waters if you were some of those teams and if you would be in those waters if you were Joe Shane and the New York Football Giants. We continue on, my friends. During a big, busy offseason, the 16th, free agency looming. We'll start to highlight some of the guys the Giants could look to attract here, re, uh, reset where the official cap number is going into the season, how much money the Giants currently have on the books, and update the situation around one James Bradbury, who has again come out and said, He'd be, he'd be willing to take another pay cut, another restructure, another adjustment in his contract to stay with the New York football giants. What would that number need to look like for Wink Martindale to see the value in a veteran quarterback who does not specifically fit his system, but could still be a valuable piece if the number is right. Check us out on YouTube. You get the podcast review, get those needs fulfilled. Hit the like button, by the way, on the YouTube videos, if you're so inclined. And at the end of the day, it's been a good day to talk New York football giants. And we'll be back again, doing it again tomorrow, most likely with one Andy Makowitz right alongside with me. And as he would want, need, and nay, demand that people know, as always, let's go big blue. 